My name is Eitan Chatayat and welcome to I'm That Podcast, where I get to talk to some pretty incredible people. Some are friends and colleagues, some are clients, and some are people I haven't even met yet. On I'm That, we'll hear from them about who they are, what they do and why, stuff they love or hate, mistakes they've made, victories they've had. They're all known for something, but by the time we're through, the hope is they'll have revealed some things we didn't know about them. Our talk may be deep, profound, funny, who knows really. One thing for sure, it'll be interesting and honest. So if you're up for that, thank you for joining me on I'm That, and here we go. So I'm super excited uh, because Troy Gua is here, and Troy is born and raised in Seattle, He's a passionately uh, creative, a self-taught artist, designer, maker, tinkerer, continuously cultivating a prolific output of smart, bold work in a huge range of media. Um, and it's produced with wit and a very crisp visual aesthetic. I'm a huge fan. Um, for him, the idea comes first. Media of choice is whatever best serves the idea. And how he makes it, well, it's as wide in scope as the results. His subject matter, like his media choices, are fluid. Uh, and addressing iconography and identity, referencing contemporary culture and his relationship with it, underscored and sewn together with his very unique visual language. Um, so while he absolutely makes art to express himself and connect and commune with others, it might be more true to say that he makes art because of the addictive nature of the joy he derives from delighting others with the images and objects he makes. Troy, I'm yeah, I know you. I'm just so happy to be speaking to you here today on I'm That. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Likewise, I'm 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 excited to be here with you. Wow, well, you, coming. I, I still like love how how we met. Um, I have to open it up because it's a little bit different. People might not know who you are, right. but you are an amazing artist, and we connected over our love of Prince, as many people connect with you over their love with Prince. Um, yeah. And I want to read a little quote from a magazine article that came out uh, a while back. And it says, Troy Gua uh, has created hundreds of Le Petit Prince LPP portraits and posts one every week on Instagram with the hashtag LPP Saturday. And you say in that interview, Prince is infinitely inspirational. He provides a never ending fountain of source material. So we're going to talk about that. Before we do, I would love to open this with one question. And I'm okay. putting you on the spot a little bit, which I always ask. Oh, no. <laughs> if you have to complete this sentence, what would you say? Troy Gua, I'm that. Oh, wow. We're, we're opening up with that. Well, not to, not to make you feel bad at all, but it pronounces, it's pronounced gua, like guacamole minus the camoli. Wow. It's one syllable instead of gua, it's gua. Gua. It's much, gua. Better, much better the way you say it. So I'm that gua. <laughs> I'm, I'm that, that gua, I'm, basically. I'm that person no. that can't read last <laughs> names. That's for sure. I haven't even attempted yours, Eitan. So, <laughs> and I don't think I will. But so I'm that, you know, it's funny. I, I'm probably a lot of things, but I think what I'm mostly is I'm that label avoider. I've always strived to make my own way and, and not be uh, put in any particular box. Although I know people like to do that um, and it's easy and uh, you know that I do it too. But I think uh, I have always fought against being labeled as any one particular type of thing, artist, person. So I'm not label avoider. You know, the, the funny thing is little secret for everyone to hear, I guess, is, is that's kind of the point of I'm that. Is it? Yeah. I mean, if you think about the film I made, you know, back in the day, I'm that Jew and you think about Jew, it's a label, but then the, the piece breaks that stereotype by naming right. everything that Absolutely. you actually are. So it kind of fucks with the whole notion of, well, I mean, and when you said I'm that label avoider, duh, it makes me think of someone that we both love. <laughs> Mr. Prince Rogers Nelson. Yeah. Which I have to ask you about off the get-go. Um, of course. Um, this is going to be on the post, of course, but I'd love for people to know right now where they can find you so that maybe as they're listening, they can actually look you up. So tell them mm. where to go to so that as we're talking, they can see what I think is just 
just incredible, <laughs> incredible work that you do. Man, thank you so much. You're so kind to me. Um, if we're talking about the, the Prince-inspired work specifically, well, actually, let's just start with my website. It's troygua.com. So it's T-R-O-Y-G-U-A.com. Um, there's several different rabbit holes you can follow uh, once you get there. You want to go to Le Petit Prince. Le Petit Prince is my uh, tribute to my biggest hero and inspiration, Prince. And uh, boy, it's so hard to describe it because it has evolved from what it started out as. as you know, what it is now is uh, a way to uh, continue and share Prince's legacy and tell his story in a really uh, unique visual way of storytelling, I think. Uh, but it, it evolved from just being a photograph of a little sculptural figurine I made in the style of a, a Jerry Anderson super marionation figure, which I don't know if you're familiar with what that is or not. If you are, that's awesome. So they're 1960s and 70s, uh, you know, marionettes that were uh, made into films by this genius couple, Jerry Anderson. And I'm sorry, I can't remember his wife's name at the moment, but they were just so fascinating to me as a kid. And they've always been like in the back of my mind, something that I wanted to recreate somehow. Wasn't that kind of like Thunderbirds kind of style? Thunderbirds, yes. Yes, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet. There's all kinds of, yeah, there's tons of them. And they have these like oversized heads and they're very surreal looking. And uh, I was fascinated by it as a kid. It's like, wow, that's so weird. Is it real? How is that working? And so that's just kind of, that was the impetus, the, the seed for the Lipity Prince visual. So this visual that you're referencing because of course this is a podcast and, and and people will see and hopefully they'll check out your site but it's a little it's a little prince miniature okay and there's one right and then you yeah. you take well you know why don't you tell us yeah. what you do because i don't want to yeah let's see if i can explain it um yeah so it is essentially one figure uh, over time, I have created, uh, sculpted more heads. So there's now like a selection of heads and a couple of different bodies that are, they have interchanging parts that I have modified and painted to, uh, you know, reflect prints. And um, there's different hairstyles. Uh, I create, I make all the clothing. I create all the, well, almost all the instruments. If there are some things I can find that are in the scale that I need them to be, I will, I will absolutely utilize them. If not, I just make my own stuff. And um, so what it is now is like, I'm sort of telling the story of Prince's life and career in this surreal photographic series. And they're all set up dioramas and, and scenes that tell stories that I have uh, culled from the internet and books over the years. And actually even more recently since Prince's unfortunate passing because there are a lot of folks and associates that were close to him that are now you know telling their stories and their experiences with working and being around Prince and I am using that as source material and creating images based on that. You know what I found beautiful about what you're doing and, and I discovered you quite by accident I think it was because I made a, a, a film with, with a friend and Wendy and Lisa, Wendy Melvoin and Lisa Coleman scored the track and I became friends with, and somehow we connected and, and I saw what you were doing. And the beautiful thing about what you do is, like I know, I'm a huge Prince fan as you know, and everyone who knows me uh, knows that as well. And I know pretty much everything there is to know about Prince that everyone knows, everything that's out there. But along you come and you have a very distinct and different type of art. And you put Prince in a situation with your art that we've never seen before. And you marry that to a story that we're either familiar with or we're not. And it could be something as simple as dressing him up in his, the parade era or uh, the era of, oh, I don't know, when he was up and coming or Purple Rain or Love Sexy. And you see him in the getup that that we all know and love, and there's a story. And it, it kind of 
shows you another, it humanizes him in a way that we haven't seen before. It makes it much more intimate. And I've never seen an artistic approach like that with Prince. It actually reminds me a little bit of, in a funny way of, I'm blanking. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking. Well, can to... I just say, I love that. I love, I love, I love that description and the intimacy that you, you find in the, in the project. That's, that's amazing to me. And I love that. It's completely intimate. I mean, I mean, you've very graciously, you know, as, as, as a gift, you, you sent me a calendar, which I, which I have. And even when this calendar is over and done with like the year, I, I still have these images and I flip through them randomly. Like this week, I'm in the mood of, of this era. And, but it is intimate because what you've created is it really feels like it's him. You capture his spirit, you capture his personality. Mm -hmm. And that's you bring, everything, man. Well, well, and that's what I want to talk about um, because you you put all this homage, you know, it's an homage to, to to Prince, and you put it out there. How does it feel to feel that love coming back from from the people, the fan base, myself included, who really, especially now, who wish he was still there? And in many ways, he's still there because of you know this is one way of him still being around. And that's what I mean by humanizing him. You've, you've, yeah. You're still around when we see that. How does it feel? Oh, God. That's a, uh, incredible, amazing, overwhelming. You know, we keep him alive. You and I, all of us, all of us Prince fans, we are the ones that keep him alive. So, you know, to get the feedback that I do tells me that I'm doing my job <laughs> and that people are responding to it. And hopefully they're sharing it and teaching some new folks about the amazing artist that Prince was and, and what an incredible creative, there's just never been anyone like him and there never will be, I don't think. And, and I, I just want more people to know that. I want more people to know about how amazing, how incredible this creative man was. Because yeah. I think a lot of the times his visual and, 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 you know, his flamboyance just overshadowed how amazing his skill and virtuosity really, you know, was and his work ethic. I mean, there's just, you know, I, there's so many things about him. That I <laughs> well, I think all of that is coming out now. I think people who really uh, understood, people who understand actually business, I think yeah. they saw it when he was alive because... And, and, and I see this in you as well. And, you know, you've written for, you know, the, my brand, the Natty Branding Agency guest writer yeah. series, when you talked about how he influenced you and it's his business ethic. I mean, as an artist, it's not enough to, to just have an idea. You have to have the idea. You have to make the idea. You have to make it well. Then you have to perfect it. Then you have to make sure people know about it. Then you have to put it out there and you have to market it. Then you have to make sure that once it's been marketed, it's marketed even more. And he had not just the musical talent, he had the, the business talent and he had the, it seems like he had the, you know, the very difficult personality that, that, that goes along with sometimes right. being successful. You know, you have to be ruthless. And it seemed like he was. I, I remembered, you know, I was blanking um, before yeah, yeah. Anne Frank, you know the story of Anne Frank during the Holocaust. So Anne Frank, she wrote a diary. It's a book. A lot of people don't want to read books and especially today's generation. And the foundation for Anne Frank came out with a graphic novel. And I bought the graphic novel and, and I read it and I looked at it and I experienced the art. And through that, I was able to feel Anne Frank even more than her diary. And to me, that's what I was trying to say before, that there's the music yeah. and then there's the person. And the way that you present the person to me is because it's visual and it's an expression from someone else, it really, it's, it's really incredible. So when did this obsession with, with Prince start? I know you've spoken about this before, but I, I'd love to. Yeah. Well, when I was 13, is like when it was cemented, like my buddies down the street had MTV. I didn't have MTV, but my buddies down the street did. So I basically lived there. 
and uh you know mtv was on repeat and so that was when i first saw prince you know with the 1999 and little red corvette videos and i was curious about him and you know wondered you know what the deal was you know he was this interesting looking dude i liked the music but i wasn't you know it wasn't like an obsession yet um i'm like 12 at the time so then uh summer of 1984 when doves cries on the radio nonstop. my mom who was a stay-at-home mom at the time picked up a paper out a newspaper out from somebody so in the afternoons she would deliver newspapers for a couple of weeks maybe it was a month i don't remember and i would go with her and i got to pick a radio station well so when doves cry over and over and over and so i got to train my mom at the same time i was <laughs> Uh, you know becoming obsessed so then my sister who was uh, like 12 years older than me she took me to see purple rain i wasn't old enough to go on my own but she took me to it and that was it you know that was it and so ever since then i have listened to and learned everything i can ab about the man and and uh yeah why, I've, why not okay thriller Michael Jackson, Thriller. That was, I remember when you know, that's, that was crazy. I was like, my yeah. why not Michael Jackson? Why Prince? I was actually into Michael Jackson before <laughs> Prince came along. <laughs> I was. I was totally into MJ. Um, there was something more. I mean, I was coming into my adolescence at the same time I discovered Prince. And Prince was more dangerous and more uh, sexy. He was more sexual. He was, you know, talking about girls and sex and this and that and i was drawn to it you know it was there was i was drawn to the dirtiness quote unquote of it and the dangerousness i guess and the rebelliousness see that's interesting because i felt the same way and we have that in common when when purple rain came out yeah i'm not going to try and be one of those fans that say i was there from day one because i wasn't really watching no, i mean no me neither <laughs> For me, it was Let's Go Crazy. When that video came out, I think I must have seen it 5,000 times. But, but what's, what's interesting about what you're saying is like the, the sexuality drawn to that. Now, most people, most guys I know at the time, and I remember this, were like, Prince, Prince is gay. Prince is not. Yeah, isn't no, that not, funny? He's not even, he's not, he, like, what do you see? Like, he's not the typical male. He was. I think it was. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll, I think I've always felt a little bit um, of uh, an outsider, and no matter what situation I am, I'm not necessarily 100% comfortable. So I think that I was drawn to this dude who was like ultimately confident in heels and ruffles, and you know what I mean. He just exuded confidence and assuredness and i wanted to be that you know and i wanted to be different and there's something very attractive there's something very attractive but first of all i 1000 percent agree that to me i can tell you that like when it comes to women when it comes to men i'm attracted to that it might not be a sexual attraction obviously with men but i i get turned on by people who have confidence and he was the epitome of that absolutely and what you said before about labels and we'll get back to that now because he didn't really seem to care ever i'm sure it isn't entirely true because we all have our insecurities but he never really cared too much about what people thought and what label you know so let them think that i'm gay let them think that i'm black let them think that i'm white let them think that i'm a freak let them think that it's funk or rock or jazz he didn't care and he broke it all the time that's that's what would drew me to him is that there was there was no definitive this is what I am and I was fascinated by that ambiguity. So on that note, I want to talk about you now because you're an artist and and LPP is not all that you do and we want, I want to talk about some of the other stuff that you do. So as an artist specifically, how how, how do you relate to that or how does that? because he's a source of inspiration for sure. We know that. Yeah. But that breaking the mold, the not caring, the doing what you want to do, the no, don't label me. How does that play into your art? 
so difficult, man. I mean, ah, I am very eclectic in style. I make all kinds of different work, and I don't know. I feel like I'm, uh, it may work against me as far as uh, the traditional uh, contemporary art world. I'm not easy to put into a box, and this is what this guy does, right? And I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to be... I don't know, man. Like when you set me up with a friend of yours who was in the contemporary art world and she had some questions for me about, you know, what do you want? And I didn't answer in a way that I think <laughs> was conducive to getting any kind of help because <laughs> it's um, like you said about being ruthless. I don't think I'm at a, a point in my life that I want to be ruthless. Like uh, if I'm okay, here's what I am. I'm that late bloomer. Like, I didn't really start in this career of mine until I was in my mid-30s. So I, I feel like mm, I'm, I'm more satisfied, especially in the world today, moving through the world in a, in a, in a way that satisfies me creatively and can make others happy at the same time. If I can do that, then that is like the ultimate. But I don't necessarily need to 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 set the world on fire with my art right now i think i've got a, a a really good uh solid group of folks that are into me and i would of course like to you know grow that exponentially but i don't know that i want to be ruthless in order to do it so it sounds to me like there's a, a lot of freedom in in Maybe. not not being driven by things that would you know th there's a lot of pressure to yeah. please lots of people but i think what you're what i'm hearing is that you want to please what it is that turns you on and that makes you happy and there's there's a lot if of people want to come along for the ride then come on let's go but yeah um i think i think, I, I think that people are coming along for the ride i mean with every with with every piece of art that you put there and I follow you and I see what people say, you know, I see what, because there's a lot of engagement on, on your social, which we'll talk about as well. Um, you, you do have a fan base and, and I think it is growing and it will grow and, you know, slow and steady wins the race. I think, uh, you know, yeah, but you don't need to set the world on fire, but that's something that I think that that's great. I don't know if I answered the question about how, Prince uh, and his musical practice correlates to my own artistic practice. But um, the way it does is pretty much in every way. He was so eclectic and uh, so willing to push boundaries and try new sounds and, and, and just, you know, he apparently didn't like the word experiment because that sounded like it wasn't a finished product, but he was experimental and just, you know, had uh, no rules as far as how he wanted to create. And that's exactly how I want to be. <laughs> and still, yeah, and, and, and you are, well, I mean, even when, when I hear you talking about, about this artist who inspires me as a, I wouldn't say an artist, but as a creative person, it kind of recharges me. It's like, it's a reminder. And I, and I think that, that what he brings to the table for you the more i think the more people hear what inspires you troy uh and not just your art but also the what's behind your art and the inspiration behind your art it, that in itself is inspirational and maybe maybe this would be a good point to hear a little bit more about the different types of art that you create and again i want people to go to troy gua gua <laughs> T-R-O-Y-G-U-A.com to look at the art as you're listening to this. But I know that you have, for example, portals and you have a pop hybrids uh, series where you take kind of like these iconographic uh, faces for, for pop hybrids, at least. And you, you kind of like, they're kind of like on top of one another in this resin, high gloss resin. Um, and I just saw that you put, a, put out Sylvester Stallone yesterday or the day before or something. And it's amazing. And you have to send it to him because he'll love it. Um, <laughs> so, but maybe you can tell us more about these different 
project so we can understand your range. And I also want to talk about the process of you creating that, because to me, it's okay. fascinating to watch the videos that you put up on social as well. It's a very visceral experience that to, to, to the listeners, you need to go now and you need to follow Troy and you need to watch his videos and see the art. You absolutely have to, but tell us about the art. Boy, so the pieces you're talking about, the portraiture, the pop hybrids, they were born in 2008, I think. And it's a series that has continued on. So I say I don't like to repeat myself, but what I do like to do is go back and add to bodies of work that I have created over time. And this is the most extensive one aside from Lipity Prince that I've, that I've worked on. And so taking an, originally taking inspiration from Andy Warhol's celebrity pop iconography, I took images and, of two separate people and juxtaposed them over each other into a new portrait with uh, possibly new meanings. Um, and it's like with, you mentioned the Sylvester piece, and it's actually the Sylvester's which is Sylvester Stallone, who was this uber-masculine, uh, you know, motion picture superstar, Mr. Macho Man, and Sylvester, the disco king queen, you make me feel mighty real, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, who was, you know, gender fluid and androgynous. They both kind of set the 1970s, late 1970s on fire with their work, right? So they're both Sylvester's. They're both at the top of their game. One is like uber, you know, masculine, straight, blah, blah, blah. One is uh, gender fluid. So they're an interesting juxtaposition to me. Um, are they uh, are they, do they appear together as art? They are together. So they're overlapped. Yeah. So, so take a look at thing. that one again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Because so they're also optical. They're kind of optical uh, fun games too, really. Um, so most of them are... Uh, you know separate people juxtapose over one another like for instance you, you mentioned michael jackson one of the very first pop hybrid pieces i did was called the boy king of pop so it's king tut and michael jackson superimposed over each other the names go together the boy king king of pop so it's the boy king of pop um they are both young men thrust upon thrust into the limelight so to speak you know without any uh choice of their own right uh they both died in masks like literally and figuratively so there's these connections that i right. like to make so i have to ask the prince is there a prince and another prince no see over time uh i didn't want to put prince with anybody else that's how this uh, other kind of aspect of this series happened was because of Prince. Uh, I had too much reverence for Prince to uh, combine him with somebody else. So what I did was took several eras of Prince as source material and layered them upon each other. And so every one of the Prince pieces is like four or five different eras layered upon. And same with Bowie. Uh, uh, there's several Bowie pieces that are the same way. Big Bowie fan? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't come upon him until later and, you know, then went back and studied. Do you, do you remember, I mean, I can remember uh, specifically for me, Bowie, which album it was, but when you were younger, was there something, was there a certain song or album that did it for you? Well, you know, it's, I grew up the youngest of four kids and the next older sibling was nine years older than me and then 10. And that brother was like my buddy. Like I used to hang out with him quite a bit. He's a bit of a loner, liked music a lot. I would go upstairs and we would listen to albums and he would uh, share all this music with me. And so I remember Bowie from, it was Changes, I believe, the album Changes, where it's a black and white image of him holding a guitar and looking. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, wow, this person is an alien, huh? This person is like from another planet or something, right? So I remember, but I, and I remember the music, but I wasn't like as fascinated by Bowie as I was with Prince, obviously. But it was the late 90s, I got into the industrial Bowie when he was doing work with like Trent Reznor. And that's when I like was like, ooh, this dude is still rocking. 
and so yeah he rocked all the way all the way out yeah okay rocked. for oh, me yeah. it was um hunky dory oh nice that was the when i heard that album and i heard life on mars wow yeah. that was that was it um you know there's another that's that reminds me of a moment in the wes anderson movie the life aquatic with steve you, zisu sure where that song's playing and bill murray is just found out he has a son and he walks out on the boat. It's just following him walking out on the boat and lighting a joint and taking a puff. And it's just this beautiful cinematic moment to that song. So, yeah. I totally, I, I, I now I remember that scene. I totally forgot about that completely. I so love I have it. to watch, I I have to watch the movie again. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. So wait, you, you talked about your brother, um, your brothers. Are you, Close to your family? Are you guys like what? What are they Not doing? Really? I mean, uh, both my parents are gone, and they were pretty much the glue. That I mean, we're kind of like the four points of the compass. Really, we're all quite a bit different. Three of us just got together actually over the past weekend, and you know, we get along. We get along, but we're not super close. Yeah, families are uh, families are complicated. There's love, but there's also differences but no I, I hear you on that so when when you yeah. when you um talk about your and i want to because this is connected to family when you talk about your art and when i've spoken to you and your wife you credit your mm. wife with you know we talked about inspiration we talked about prince but i i find that your wife is a huge source of inspiration for you and yeah she's actually, actually number one yeah and she <laughs> actually was was a, quite a bit of a rock for you can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, how deep do you want to get? Because I could, you know, because get you pretty deep about this. Yeah. Because you <laughs> um, she is like, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if it wasn't for her. Um, so we met in 2005. I was so speaking of family and, and, and brothers, I had been working for my next older brother uh, for about six years when I met Catherine. And it was you know, I don't want to dog my brother out. It was just kind of not, it wasn't my type of job. And I felt like I was kind of stuck there. <laughs> like from day one, I was like, ah, shit. I, sh I shouldn't have done this. Six years later, she just basically kind of rescued me from, uh, I was kind of a shell of a person at that point, to be completely honest. I spoke, when you introduced and spoke about the addictive joy that I get from sharing and, and, and seeing the joy that, I give people with the images. I'm an addict. Like I, I, I was a drunk when I met Catherine. I was a complete alcoholic. Um, she was a partier as well. And we kind of hit the ground running together um, for about a year, year and a half. And we fell for each other hard and partied that first year real hard. And then it started to crumble. And we decided that we enjoyed each other's company and, and loved each other too much to just like, throw that away over substances so we decided to together uh get sober and so we did and throughout that process she realized <laughs> that i had this uh this gift she saw all this art that i had been kind of storing in my place over the years and she's like what are you doing doing that job you need to be you need to work this out and she was making pretty good money at the time um, enough to allow me to quit my job and she was going to support me until I could make this art thing work and you know I still uh, just just saying it out loud it's like I still when I think about that it's like what a leap of faith and how amazing is that and how grateful am I that this woman came into my life and, and gave me this gift of fulfilling my dream right my my lifelong dream of, of being a, an artist and she yeah so yeah I'm like choked up just even thinking about it but so that's what happened she I quit my job uh, I figured I just started making art we got sober together and I started making art and figured out who needs art on their walls coffee shops hair salons so I just started looking in want ads and just practiced hanging my art and and having my art seen by people and it just sort of grew from there and over time i uh was able to start selling work and you know hustling 
How amazing is it to have someone believe in you? That is number one. It's absolutely number one for me personally. It's like having someone have the confidence in you that maybe you once had, but maybe lost for a while. <laughs> if, if someone can like spark that again in you, that's like the biggest gift that anyone could give you. And I'm eternally grateful to that. To well, I think, I think, uh, my personal message to Kathleen, who I hope to, I, I hope one day I get to meet, is also thank you. And I'm sure a lot of people want to say thank you to her because of what she enabled you to give uh, into the world. I, I, I want to ask you, when it, it's, it's like you say it in a sentence, but yeah, let's go deep. Like addicted to substance, substances, an alcoholic, how do, you, how do you come out of that? How did you come out of that? Like, if you don't mind sharing, you know. I, well, I think we did it. We held each other accountable. I don't think either one of us probably had the desire or the willpower to do it on our, on our own as separate individuals. And, you know, I think it was really important to both of us to show a good example for the other. And so we kind of held each other up as crutches. Did, did you way. do it through some type of uh, programs or was it just, no. like, we're just going to do this? It was white knuckling it, man. It was just us. And we lost all our friends basically and changed our lifestyle completely and replaced all our bad habits with good ones. And, you know, you literally avoided, sorry, you literally avoided no, go people. Ahead. Well, no, we didn't necessarily avoid people, but we sure stopped getting invited <laughs> to places and, and things and it's okay because we figured out that you know a lot of those folks that maybe we hung out with that was the only connection we really had was through alcohol or drugs so maybe that wasn't the best friendship anyway what does Catherine do she does a lot she's actually doing a master's program for counseling online at the same time that she does a full-time job working for uh, Holland America Cruise Line as a personal cruise consultant so she's had she's been employed throughout the whole covid uh process and it's been quite uh an experience for her but i mean she's we're she's kept the job the whole time and uh things are starting to move back towards normal but she is an incredibly uh busy woman like she keeps herself so busy yeah and i imagine that um that as you create your art and you're doing what you're doing, like you talked about the different kind of like styles or different, um, I don't know what- Bodies you, of work. Yeah, bodies of work that you have. And one of the questions that I have is, because I've seen videos as you're creating, um, I think it's your, I think it was your pop um, series when you're in front of this big table and you're pouring resin. And and again, I want people to, to, to go out and to, to, to look at your site and, and check that out. But what's it like as you're creating, Troy? Like, is it all meticulously planned? Do you know exactly what you're doing? Do you have the vision set? Or is it kind of like this free flow, kind of like more spontaneous free form thing? But, and, and also, it's not like you're painting. You, you know, when you're doing LPP or when you're doing this resin work, what's going on in your mind? It seems like you have to really be on top of your shit. It's like it's not... I'm just going to draw. There's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> How does that, what's the process? Well, yeah. I mean, it's been a, um, an evolution, especially for the pop hybrid series. Cause they did initially start as meticulously hand painted acrylic on canvas paintings uh, that I would then resin coat. And it's interesting that folks are so drawn into and, and, and um, interested in the resin coating process because that's really just kind of the cherry on the top of the cake. That's the easy part. The whole process of, of designing and creating the piece has evolved into becoming a, a purely digital process for me now. So I do a lot of work in uh, Adobe Photoshop and, and Illustrator and, and that type of thing going back and forth. And I have a process that I have just kind of put together over the years, you know, myself. But like you said in the beginning, in the intro, the idea comes first. So it's always about, it's, I, I almost always have a finished product in mind. Like I have a visual of what I want this idea to be manifested. 
physically as. So it is kind of all about the problem solving about how to make that thing real. <laughs> and it's, yeah, so I, it's, it's interesting how you say the, like it's visceral because that part is visceral, but the rest of the process is so not visceral. Well, it's, <laughs> it coming is, up, it's coming up with a concept. It's coming yeah. up with like, for example, you know, we talked about pop, you know, the, the icons, the, the people, but then you also have the portals and the portal yeah. series is about kind of like- Those light. are paintings. Oh those, those okay, are. Those, oh, those are, okay, great. So, yeah. I, and, and that's about light and dark, right? Kind of. Kind of, it's about finding hope, finding light, finding uh, a reason and finding a meaning in a seemingly meaningless universe. How's that? That's pretty <laughs> it's, fucking it's absurdism. Well, absurdism, you know, it's uh, in a dark time. They came out of a really dark time um, for, for me, for us, for some folks, a particular demographic, I suppose, in America. The years between 2016 and 2020 were really dark. And basically just me like going back to basics and just trying to find light. So I was painting windows and portals and doors and ways to find this. Where's the light? I want to find the light. So that's what that series is, is about. And I wanted to do it in a way that was really uh, minimalist, very graphic, kind of simple yet modern. Is that still going on? Do you still add to that body of work? I, there are, there are some, some sketches that I have in mind that I haven't implemented yet, but yeah, that's probably a, 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 a series that I will visit again. You know, I'm very familiar with that process of like just having, you know, at, at least when in me doing what I do is I have an idea and then I have to, I have to have the idea first. It doesn't just like come out of like, so you, I mean, if we're talking about the pop hybrids, you have two people in mind, wouldn't they be great? Then you have right. to, so how do you develop, do you, do research to find out which image you're going to use and kind yeah. of like trace or. Yeah, it's not, see, I always balk when people maybe mistake the series as just another pop icon portraiture series, because it's more than, you know, it's more than that with the, with the opposing individuals and, and that sort of thing. So it's, and it, and it all, it is very personal to me, uh, even though it's, it's a, it's very uh, commercially accessible. They all, every one of them come from me. Like they're, these are important icons to me for one reason or another. So it does all kind of stem from an interest, uh, a fascination of mine in, in either one or both of these individuals or just, you know, a Rolodex of ideas that I've kept over the years, like the Sylvester's for instance, was one of them. Where do you talk about that, by the way? Like for example, you do, you have exhibitions, you showcase your work at galleries. Is that the place where you're able to really talk about the, you know, or an interview like this, for example, but like for example, on your website, do you talk about the, the characters in, pop, in the pop hybrid series? I think I do. I don't know. I think I'll have to go back and, uh, and look at my page to, to, to that's double the, check that. that but. That's the, it's always interesting what's behind the art, you know, like, yeah. and even as I'm talking to you, I'm discovering things that I, you know, that's actually the meaningful stuff is just as, you know, the meaning behind the art is, is important. It is important. But at the same time, it's funny that we're talking about this now because I've been really thinking about that particular thing and why is it important what it's, what's behind the art. And um, does it matter who the artist is if you are interested in this piece of art? Would it change your interest if you knew that the artist was someone else? Well, I don't know if it's if the artist was someone else, but let's let's talk about Prince for a second. So if we didn't know how Sign of the Times was written, and I think we know how it was written based on, you know, uh, you know he picked up a newspaper one day and all of the <laughs> page one through I don't know how many pages in the paper, he basically took stories from that paper and out of that, he created Sign of the Times. It's basically a day in the life of the world based yeah. on the Star Tribune, right? Right. And, and that to me, I, you know, when I heard that, my mind was blown. It actually did make the song more meaningful in that exact Yeah. Right. But Purple Rain. And I totally get but that. Purple Rain, nobody knows really what Purple Rain is about. But, you know, right. maybe if we did know, what he was thinking that maybe yeah maybe it would be more i guess it depends 
I think it depends. And I like the idea of not having to talk about art. Um, I'm a visual artist for a reason, right? It's like that's that's how I express myself is visually. You know, in essence, I would prefer to just visually communicate. Yeah. Do you feel Do you feel um, uncomfortable Do you feel uncomfortable talking about like um like not yeah. uncomfortable? Maybe that's not the right word, but like it's like my sister. My sister, you know, my sister is a video uh, videographer. She does everything on her iPhone. And I really respect her as an, as, as an artist. I think that she's great. And, and I've told her, you know, on her website, you know, you write about what's, what's behind it, you know, and, and she's like, well, I'm a visual artist and you know, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I'm not good with words. I'm like, well, fucking get good with words then because, you know, people want to know. But, but she's got a brother that's good with words. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I actually do respect what she's saying. Is that the way that you feel as well? Like that you? That I you do. Prefer? I mean, yeah. It's it's difficult. Okay, there's boy. There's a lot based around this idea. There's okay. There's a there's a David Bowie quote that I love to use. It says, uh, "Talking about art is like dancing about architecture," and that's how I feel about it. It's like it's for me. It's it's a visual medium. I feel like. Uh, there are contemporary art world trends that uh, use buzzwords and certain phraseologies. And there is, you know, a trendiness connected to the way you talk about art. And uh, I am a self-taught non-institutional artist and I just don't have those chops. So I don't even want to go there most of the time. Um, And I'm actually, I wasn't sure I was going to talk about this, but since we are delving into this subject, I'm putting together, I've been working pretty hard on creating a show uh, using an alter ego because I don't want to, I want to take away any possible prejudice anybody that knows me might have if they walk into this gallery and experience the art. I want them to just experience the art on its own, you know, because, because value. You, you've been labeled Troy and yeah. you want Maybe. to, yeah. I, well, that's what it sounds like. You want. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to take that label away. So, and I, and I, it's an experiment. I want to see what happens. I want to see if anybody goes to the show, first of all. Uh, and I want to see uh, if. So it's going to be some to- random anonymous show by an artist with, with a different, name and um in essence it's not random in that it's it's at a gallery that i've had a show at in the past and we have an affiliation but and it's and it's an alter ego that has 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 been with me for a long time actually but it's never been a a a publicly uh, debuted so to speak so and i'm gonna zoom in to the opening uh using uh (laughs) software that gives me a weird avatar and and a deeper yeah. voice or a lighter and, yep and a deeper a center, like different a camille. voice camille right i might be a camille yeah mm-hmm. right. so we'll see what happens i'm really stoked that the gallerist was on board for doing it but that's amazing and, I, and I, the I, theme of the show is absurdism and the and the idea the idea of trying to find meaning in a meaningless universe so i'm using these objects of art as metaphors for that it's like this object might have some meaning for me but y'all want you to find the meaning for yourself that's the essence of the show i love it i think it's great it's going to be in minneapolis seattle seattle yeah that's where i am seattle why did i think minneapolis well obviously well obviously i just just got confused (laughs) i'm going to definitely edit that bit out because i just sound like a moron um (laughs) I want to ask you because I'm I'm also cognizant of time. So, besides Prince and your wife, who's been super, super influential to you, and why? Oh boy, that's really anyone. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to say my dad because I was always so impressed with how he kind of uh, made a quite a great life for himself 
after having coming from uh, a pretty difficult upbringing and uh, a lot of sad stories in his childhood, but he uh, was an amazing father. I always felt safe. He, you know, crafted a life with his, his wife, my mom, and, uh, and he did it on his own terms, essentially. And, and that is inspirational to me to be able to create something out of nothing. <laughs> so he did that as well. Anyone else? Gosh, I don't know hey, why this is take, so difficult. Take, well, because it's difficult. You know what? It's Muhammad the- Ali. I'm all about uh, folks who are uh, forging their own paths and, uh, you know, kind of shucking the, the folks aside that are naysayers and, uh, you know, just forging ahead. Well, so Muhammad sounds- Ali is definitely one of those men, too. Like people that did it their way? Absolutely. That's it. Yeah, he definitely did it his own way. You know, I've been watching a lot of interviews of him um, in the last, you know, in the last year. I'm on Facebook a little bit more and people post these videos and interviews and clips. Man, did he have a gift. I mean, with with expression. No, it's not just, of course, you know, he's a good boxer, but it was his personality. Absolutely. and And his defiance. And I think, you know, what you said about you wanting to do things your way or Prince you know, it, it's defiance, actually. And having, right. and having the chops to back it up. You can't just be defiant. You have to have something going for you as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, and I, I think maybe I think of defiance like as a negative word, but it's not. I don't think, you know, it's not. And you're right. It is defiance. And you have to be brave to be defiant, too. Yeah, bravery is, uh, you know, I especially see now, um, I talked about it, with, um, with my last uh, interview, a guy called Daniel uh, Rosenberg about anti-Semitism. You know, we talked a lot about anti-Semitism, but we also talked a lot about cancel culture, which is very challenging right now um, because, and I don't know what your opinions are and we don't need to get too deep into it, but like there's, you know, whether you're on the far left or on the far right, there's a mob, there's a mob out there and it's very difficult today to speak up and- yeah because you're going to get torn down by this mob. And I think that you do have to be brave. You have to be very, very brave and to be defiant. Uh, so I see defiance as a strength. Yeah. As a strength. Absolutely. I mean, hopefully you're on the right side, you know, you know, it's always subjective, but you know, um, from, from where I stand, there typically is a right and a wrong. And if you can be defiant in the face of the mob, which is to me inherently, that word is, is a negative. Um, then, then, then that's ultimately a good thing. Troy, yeah. what's something, okay, I'm going to hit you with something else, which is going to be very hard to answer. So think about it. What's something that absolutely nobody knows about you? Not even Catherine. Not even Catherine. Not even Catherine. Hmm. Oh boy. Or that maybe she knows, but nobody else knows. Um, she she knows everything. Silly. I could be silly. <laughs> She knows pretty much everything. Mm. I was going to, you know, like the thing that first pops into my head was like, you know, I'm like a recovering addict, but uh, we already covered that. And, and, I, think and people, people, I think a lot of people know that. Yeah, people know that. As someone who is either, for example, suffering from addiction, or it could be someone who is a struggling artist, based on things that you've gone through, Troy, which are not easy things. Would you be able to share some advice with someone who might be listening now who's going through one of those things? Whether it's an addict, maybe, whether it's an artist, maybe, or something entirely different. Like what advice, based on your experience, could you give someone? Something that was really hard for you, maybe. Something that was really hard for me that changed everything. It's probably quitting my job. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but one of the most rewarding. It was one of the hardest things because I was having this internal struggle. My dad, who had passed away you know, six years prior, he was the reason why I took the job in the first place. I thought he would think it was a really cool thing that his two sons that didn't really get along that well were going to be working together. So saying goodbye to that terrifying because I knew in the back of my mind 
my dad would have like if he was alive i don't know that i would have been able to actually do that step away from that job uh, and and uh surrender myself to Catherine uh to you know allow her to support me for an indefinite amount of time um, because you would be defying your dad and his wishes yeah I'd be defying, I guess, yeah, I guess I'd be defying, my, not only, you know, he would just, he, I could hear him saying, how can, you can't not have a job, how are you going to pay your bills, you know, these things are going in the back of my mind, so. I, I think, think that's, is- I think, I actually think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to, myself included, because I know, you know, I love my dad, my dad is 92, and God bless him, he's with us, and he's, been a huge influence on me but it's taken a long time to kind of follow my path and not follow his and his path was you know my dad is a cf was a cfo very strong with economics and math guess what troy all the things that i wasn't good at you're a writer (laughs) i'm a a writer i'm a creative um i run a business now and i'm good with numbers you know i know how to i know how to you know, bring home the bacon and everything and run a business, but that's something that was self-taught. And, but I guess what I'm saying is you want to please your dad. I mean, I think as a son, for, you know, maybe I'm making a generalization, but what I've heard is, and, and what I know is like, you want to, you want your dad to, to respect you. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is, is kind of like not maybe doing what he says, but wanting him to, to look for your dad's approval. So it actually yeah. makes complete sense to me when you say, when you said what you said, that, that it was, you know, maybe it was his passing away that allowed you to move forward with your own path. Yeah. It took a while. It took a while to get there. And again, I'm not hundred percent sure I could have done it had my parents, you know, been here. <laughs> I don't, I, I, it's hard to say what would over could have been, but I think the ultimate advice would be surrender to help. Surrender. <laughs> surrender to help. If you need help or and if someone is there offering help, take it. If someone sees something in you and they want to help you fan that flame that they see. Listen to them. Listen to them. Because sometimes you can't see it in yourself. Sometimes you've lost the ability to see that you even have that flame anymore. But others don't. And if they can see it and point you in that direction and, and kind of nurture that, that's in, enormous. Fucking beautiful and fucking A. I'm glad I pushed a little because I think that's so helpful. Um, and another thing is also it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay. Go. It's okay to not know. There's strength in that, you know. There's strength in yeah. being soft. I think. Uh, I think that's also a, a generational thing that we are more in touch with now. And before you had that, you know, I can do this, and you know, yeah. you know what are you doing? You're gonna have someone support you. Well, they're gonna support me for a while, Dad. But I'm gonna make something of myself and be an artist that the people in Israel will know about and buy. Yeah, there art. you go. Yeah. Right. See, that's the thing is like, I bet he'd be so proud of me now. And it's kind of a bummer, like this cosmic joke that neither one of my parents got to actually see me become who I was always meant to be. But, you know, maybe they can. Who knows? But it's, um, I'd like to believe that I've made you proud. You absolutely do. Troy, absolute pleasure. Hey, Tom. <laughs> and Joy, before we go and ending on such a nice note, you already spoke about what's coming up next to you. I push people always, I want them to see what you're doing, but, but say it again, T-R-O-Y-G-U-A.com. They can That's follow it, you on yeah. Facebook as well, right? Absolutely. And Instagram. That's like the, probably the best place. So it's just at Troy Gua on Instagram. And Facebook, it's Troy Gua Art. So that's my public page. Everyone, please, now, if you haven't done it already, please check out this guy's art, buy some stuff. He has a story, he has calendars, postcards, books, shirts. I mean, fr- I mean, the stuff is amazing. He's amazing and a beautiful soul. Troy, thank you. You're so, amazing. Bye-bye.
<laughs> Dave, Dave Tan, thank you so much, brother. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you.